How's everybody doing this morning up in Adam? Hopefully taking a little bit of Java juice this morning and uh, ready to get into your day. I know I'm ready to get into my day. In fact, I've already been in my day here for just a little bit this morning and uh, uh, ready for what the day will bring today. So, Anyway, good morning to all of you, and uh, we are in Luke chapter 13, uh, beginning at verse 22 today, um, and then finishing out the chapter. Uh, Yesterday, we talked about the very fast expanse of the kingdom of God, uh, and yet this morning we come back around and talk about the, uh, in some ways, the, the, the narrowness of the way. While the kingdom of God expands so quickly, it's also a narrow door. And so Jesus goes from the illustrations of, of uh, 
the mustard seed and the leaven yesterday and how it spreads quickly through the whole batch, really symbolizing how it spread through the whole world, to today we get into the conversation where he says, but the way is narrow. And so let's jump right into it and see what Jesus teaches us today. He says, and he went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. So he's going from the north to the south, heading to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, uh, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved, he said to them. And maybe he's pointing to the disciples who were following him and saying, hey, there's, there's just such a small band of people there. Uh, are, are they going to be the only ones or will there be more? And uh, Jesus will, will get into the answer of that question with this. He says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to do so. Now, the interesting thing is there are so many people who will say it is uh, it is faith alone, and, and I agree with that statement. It's faith alone that saves us. Uh, but make sure your faith is real, because uh, notice what Jesus says. He, he speaks about effort here. Some would say, well, it's not about human effort. It's about the work of God. Well, I, I agree with that, but, but we need to make sure that our human effort, we need to make sure that, that our faith uh, is truly a, a genuine, saving, engaged, take a hold of God kind of faith. Not simply a, a, uh, okay, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. What's next in my schedule? What, what, what's next in my busyness? What's next in my, that, that God becomes front and center. I mean, it's that type of faith. Uh, and Paul gives a verse in, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 13, in fact, I'll take you there real fast, that it kind of pushes on people to examine their faith, uh, and uh, it's verse 5, where Paul says this, Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. I mean, what, what is the test? Christ being in you. What is the test? Uh, a, a legitimate faith that uh, that has taken root, a, a legitimate faith that changes the course of life, a legitimate faith that that causes you to, to begin wanting to know the mind and heart of God and the ways of God, and the will of God and the direction of God and, and the values of God. And uh, um, so you align yourself with, with, with God in that way. That is the type of faith that is a saving type of faith. Not simply, uh, okay, yep, I get that. I understand that. Not just simply what we would often call a mental assent to, to these facts. no, it's more than that. It is a it is a surrender to the reality of Jesus in your life. That is the type of faith. I mean, what is your faith like? Do you have that type of surrender to Jesus type of faith? Now, I'm not saying that you're you're perfect. I'm not saying that in your surrender that you don't have doubts. I'm not saying that in your surrender you don't have sins. I'm not saying that in your surrender. 
But I'm just saying that the general tenor of your life is to say what what's God's priorities? What are God's initiatives? What are God's ways? How can I know God? How can I love God? How can I walk with God? That that is the type of faith that is a saving type of faith. Paul pushes on people to examine themselves to see whether they are in the faith. Are you simply one who who is is giving lip service, or is your heart engaged? And it's going to be seen in your life that you do not fail the test. Now, let me finish out verse a few verses here. Uh, verse 7, he says, Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not that people will see that we have stood the test, but that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. I mean, he's talking about failure, doing right, and what's he talking about? What's he getting at there? I mean, just simply the fact that, that the direction of our lives is toward Jesus. That is saving faith. And for you and I to uh, to make sure that, that we have saving faith, a saving faith that has changed us, a saving faith that that, that brings about repentance and, and turning from self to God, uh, that type of saving faith. So back into Luke chapter 13, he says, when Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem, someone asked, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? We got that far. He said, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. What is the narrow door? Jesus is the narrow door. There are people out there who will say, in fact, I drove by. Uh, I was in Belfast yesterday afternoon. I've been walking the dogs in the afternoon when it's warmer. And uh, so I, I get into my day earlier and I get home a little early earlier in the evening so I can walk dogs at night. We try to go through between three and four miles. And, and uh uh, I noticed the lights in the library on, and I was thinking it was the UU church. Uh, you know, I'd like to go in there sometime just to see what it's even like. They don't have the truth. I know they don't have the truth. Uh, I'm convinced they don't have the truth because they don't have the narrow door. Their, their approach is any door will work. Just, just choose a door of faith and walk through it. That is not the teaching of Jesus. The teaching is to enter through the narrow door. There is one door, and that's it. He says, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Uh, they're they're going to want a different door. They're, they're not going to like the color of the door. They're not going to like the size of the door. They're not going to like the, the direction the door swings. They're not going to like um, what side the, the doorknob is on. They're not going to like, so they're, they're just not going to enter through the door. And by, by that, what I mean is they're going to find all kinds of reasons why they shouldn't trust in Jesus or they don't like Christianity or they don't like the church or they don't like, but what I would say is those folks need to stop making excuses and take hold of that one narrow door and walk through it. And that narrow door is Jesus. Don't, don't let Christians keep you from Christ. Don't let church and bad church practices keep you from Christ. The truth of Christ, the truth of Jesus is there's a narrow door. He is it. People are going to try all kinds of, of means of faith. Uh, the Unitarians I've already mentioned, they have their approach to faith. Those of the Baha'i cult, uh, they have their approach to faith. Um, those uh, of Islamic tradition, they have their approach to faith. 
But friends, unless the faith is a faith that is mixed with repentance because of Jesus, a faith in Jesus that is mixed with repentance in our humanity and turning to Jesus, you will not enter the door. It is a narrow door. Then he goes on and says this. In fact, a further aspect, a further illustration here that we we see in verse 25 is he says this. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Once the door is closed, it is too late. Now, now what is the door um, that that is closed? What, What is the closing of the door? Well, the closing of the door can be when you breathe your last breath. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, uh, and, and placed your faith in him upon by the time of your, your last breath, you will not make it. That's the truth. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. What is that? Hebrews 9, 26 or 29. I'd have to go back and, and see which verse that is, but it's the end of Hebrews chapter 9. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And the judgment is this. Do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, enter in. If you don't know Jesus, and it's not know about, but get to know intimately by faith. Know Jesus, and if you have Jesus as your Savior, you enter in. But the closing of the door is death. Another closing of the door is the time when, now, here's the fact. Uh, and I want you to understand this. And there are varying approaches uh, in fact, let me let me give a, a infomercial real fast. Um, I have to remember to give this infomercial next week and get the, get the actual advertisement up here on the screen for you. Uh, on the fifteenth of March, over in Augusta, there is a symposium uh, by Doctor Stephen Whitmer, young guy actually. Um, uh, about how eschatology causes us to live differently. Uh, it's a Friday morning. It's from nine till noon. Uh, it's at Penny Memorial Baptist Church. Uh, I just encourage you, if you can carve out time uh, to, and I'll give you some registration information next week. In fact, if you don't register, no big deal to show up. Penny Memorial Baptist Church uh, in Augusta, March 15th, 9 a.m., um, Stephen's going to talk about how our view of eternity and our, our, our view of citizenship uh, in heaven affects how we live here on earth. That, that's really what he's going to be talking about. So uh, another aspect, uh, now I've moved from the infomercial back into what I was saying. Um, if you hold to the, the pre-millennial, pre-tribulational view of when Christ comes, some people think, well, once, once the rapture happens, people no longer have a chance. That is not true uh, in that particular uh, theology, uh, that particular eschatology. The fact is people do have an opportunity in the tribulation to turn to Christ and give their lives to Christ. The hard part is if, if that particular view of eschatology is right, people living through the tribulations can be very difficult. They're, they're going to have to refuse the mark of the beast. They're going to have no means of, of making cash exchanges and all of those things. Um, 
but they can still turn to faith in Christ during the tribulational period. Now, if it's post-tribulational period, another story. If Christ comes after the tribulation and we have to suffer through the tribulation, uh, and then the Lord appears, then maybe at that point in time, it is too late. The point of the matter is this. There is a time when the door closes. Uh, the Lord says, today is the day of salvation. So anyone listening to this anywhere in the world, if you've not trusted in Jesus, I encourage you today, trust in Jesus today, right now, even as I speak, even as you're listening, put your faith in Jesus. Make sure that it's a faith that says, Lord, I, I renounce all other faiths. I, I, I turn to you. My faith is in you. I, I, I turn from myself and, and my own efforts to get me there. Now, it's interesting. I say turn from our own efforts, but yet he says in verse 24, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. In other words, make sure your faith is real. Because as it says in verse 25, once the owner of the house gets up, close the door, you'll stand outside knocking, pleading, but he will not open. It will be too late. Do not allow it to be too late. Turn to Jesus today. Verse 26, he says, then you'll say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evil doers. You go, wait a minute. Hold on. What's he talking about? They're saying, we came to church. We we listened to the sermons. We, we listened to the teaching. Okay, yes, you came to the church. You came to the worship service. Uh, you may have even taken communion, but you didn't really know Jesus. And he will say, away from you. Don't be just a church attender. Be someone whose faith is real in your life every single day. Otherwise, you may be one who hears these words that he pronounces in verse 27, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evil doers. And you say, wait a minute, doesn't he know everything? Yes, he does know everything. But what he's saying is, look, we don't have a relationship. You you gave mental assent. You you said, well, I, I know about Jesus, and, and I, I I believe those things about Jesus. So, Okay, to believe, I, I, I can I can believe that my car is red, and it is, just for the record. The other one's blue, that's true as well, but that, that doesn't cause me to entrust myself to my red vehicle or to my blue vehicle. Uh, just because I know or can say that something's red or blue doesn't mean that I've entrusted my life to it. Not just to say, well, I, I know Jesus died. But to entrust your life to Jesus, that that type of faith where, Lord, I am completely relying upon you for my salvation and, and completely clinging to you for my salvation. I know that, that it isn't because I'm a good person. I know it's not because I give money. I know it's not because I go to church. I know it's because of my faith in Jesus Christ alone that saves me. Make sure that is you. And then he will he will say to you when 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 that day comes, either the day of your death or the day of of, of our deliverance through uh, through the coming of the Lord, whichever theology you eschatology you hold to, the day of the coming of the Lord, uh, you will be whisked away and not be a part of the judgment. But he does say this; he gets into the judgment here in verse twenty eight. When he says, verse 27, I, I don't know you or where you're coming from. Away from me, evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. Just for the record, I know it's gnashing and not gnashing. 
gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were men of faith, believing in a Savior who would come, their faith was in Yahweh. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets, the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be thrown out. Why? Because you did not have saving faith. Why? Because you did not enter the door that is Jesus. He alone is the way. Verse 29 says, People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom. This kind of is an allusion back to what we talked about yesterday about how the kingdom of God will grow all over the world. Um, people from the east, the west, the north, the south, some people say, well, we deserve it because we're, we're the Israelites. No. People who are Japanese, people who are Chinese, people who are Russian, people who are Scandinavian, people who are Latino, uh, people who are Portuguese, people who are uh, Guatemalan. Yes, even the Guatemalans will make it. That's a shout out to Pastor Jacob. Uh, people from the various countries in the Middle East, people whose legitimate, true, saving faith is in Jesus, will be a part who will take place at this great feast of the kingdom of God at that day. Now, again, when is it too late? It's too late on our death, when we breathe our last, if we've not trusted in Jesus, it is too late, or at the time of the judgment, which will come. Again, the text says people will come from east, west, north, south, will take their places at the feast of the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and the first will be last. I mean, let, let me explain that in this way. Uh, we think that we have, we think that we have all these things together. We think that we have it all wrapped up. We think that maybe we have the, uh, uh, the, the edge on truth. We think, well, we're Americans. We've got, no, you know what? I, I think our brothers and sisters who every day are wondering where their food will come from. Uh, and we have brothers and sisters all around the world who are in that situation. I think brothers and sisters around the world who haven't had the opportunity to hold all the varieties of Bibles that we in the West get to hold, and we get all all uh, kind of, uh, I was going to say snotty-nosed, uh, snobbish, that's the word I'm looking for. Well, I use the ESV version, or I use the... NIV 84 version. Well, I use the New American Standard Bible. <laughs> American, that ought to tell you something right there. Um, or I use the King James Bible. Or I use, and right here in front of me, I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 different uh, versions of the Bible. Well, we have brothers and sisters who don't even have the Bible at all. They will be the ones who will be first. They will be the ones who are honored because not having Bibles, they clung to Jesus with a little bit of knowledge that they had. They will be the ones who will be the honored ones. We think, well, I have a degree from the seminary. I'll be the honored one. No, guess what? I'm going to stand at the back of the room. Okay. I mean, you don't, you don't get much further than, 
I mean, I, I guess I could get other master's degrees. Uh, I think I, I could maybe get other doctoral degrees. I, I could do those things, but guess what? That doesn't mean I get to stand in the front of the room. That means on that day, I'm going to stand at the back of the room and be humbled and shout and cheer for my brothers and sisters who were the least, who didn't have all that we have. And they're going to be honored first because they clung to Jesus in their difficulty. They clung to Jesus in their dire straits. They will be first. The thing I want to say, make sure that your faith is real. Make sure that you're, you're genuinely clinging, that you've entrusted your eternal salvation to Jesus, that you're entrusting your daily life to Jesus. This is what he's saying. That there is a narrow door. Don't, don't think it comes through Buddha. I don't think that it comes through mystic practices. Don't think that it comes through uh, Hinduism. Uh, it comes through Jesus. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus alone, by God's grace alone. That is what we believe. Let's finish out this chapter. It says, at at that time, some Pharisees, those that were, were the uh, Israelite religious leaders, they came to Jesus and said, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Well, the fact is, I mean, Herod was upset by what Jesus was teaching, but they were upset. They didn't like it either. And he, he replied, go tell that fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow and on the third day, I'll reach my goal. Now, he's maybe beginning to move toward the goal of, okay, he'll be in Jerusalem and, and I'd have to go back and look in the chronology to see when Luke 13 falls, or are we getting in now to the final week of Jesus? Um, we might be approaching getting close in this chapter to the final week in the life of Jesus. So he replies to the Pharisees, go tell that fox, go, go tell Herod, I'm going to drive out demons and heal people today. Uh, don't, don't get in the way, you know. Uh, no, I'm not going to turn back. Yes, I'm going to continue doing what I've set my mind to. Verse 33, in any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. So he, he is on his way to Jerusalem. But then he, he gives this lament. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this this uh, an allusion to when he will come riding in the donkey into Jerusalem uh, the week of his uh, the week of his crucifixion. I mean, Jesus loved the Jewish people, but the Jewish people didn't love him. Jesus wanted the, the Israelites to turn in faith, but he wasn't going to bring them the political solution that they were looking for, and so they would reject him. They wanted to see Rome overthrown, and they wanted to see themselves politically and geographically liberated uh, so that they could live in their land and follow their own prescripts, their own laws, their own ways, uh, apart from any oppression. But Jesus didn't bring that to them because Jesus came to deal with the soul. 
Jesus came to deal with eternal salvation. And so they rejected Jesus. And so this is where we see Jesus saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. I mean, they rejected these things. And so what happens? We know the story. Uh, the, the message will go on out to the Gentiles. The, the, the message will go out to the non-Jewish people. Uh, the, the message will go out to the people in Pakistan. The people will go out to the message in Ethiopia. The message will go out to the people in, in what we now know as the Republic of Turkey. Uh, and all across, just the Apostle Paul carries the message in, in that part of the world. And, and other of the apostles would take it down into Africa and others over into Asia. Uh, and the Jewish people would be left, I don't want to say really left behind because the gospel was still available to them as well. But, but the gospel, because, especially because the people were non-responsive or were responsive in the negative, non-affirmative, not trusting in Jesus, Jesus weeps over the people of Israel, but then the gospel we know will be sent to the Gentile people. That, that's me. That's many of you. Uh, that, that we have the benefit of knowing Jesus today because, uh, especially the way that the gospel is rejected, yet the heart of God is for all people. He wants all men to come to repentance everywhere. That's the desire of God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. That is the desired will of God. And so we turn. We look to him. And, and I encourage you, if you have not looked to Christ, look to Christ Take hold of Christ by faith and trust yourself to Christ. Make sure that you are in the faith. Uh, make sure that you're one of those who, uh, unlike the Jewish people who rejected Jesus, that you receive him and trust him and follow him and walk with him, that you've entered the narrow door. Make sure that that is true of your life, that you might know that you have salvation. Lord, I, I pray for anybody that listens to this, whether it's today or at any time, that you would cause them or those that would take what has been taught today and teach it to others, I, because I know that happens, that you would cause many people to, to come to f- saving faith in Jesus as a result of your word. And Lord, for those of us that know you, may we continue to cling to you. May we continue to entrust our lives to you, and may we be used as vessels in your hands to communicate the gospel. Lord, for those not feeling well today, we, we lift them to you, especially those who are who are your children, who are doing your work. Lord, we, we pray that you would bring healing, uh, healing from colds or healing from uh, various types of infections. Lord, would you strengthen, would you heal? especially we think of those that don't have access to to medicines and doctors like we do here in the West. Lord, hear our prayer for our brothers and sisters around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, have a great day. See you tomorrow.